Hey there, this is Julie from Blended Life. Thank you for taking the time to download this episode of our podcast. I hope you find value in it. The truth is though, sometimes you need more than a podcast can offer to get unstuck and find peace in your blended family life. The struggle is real. So this is a personal journey I've been on for years, seeking peace in circumstances and with people I can't control. Becoming Heard was born out of this quest. As a certified life and health coach, I am passionate about helping others just like you and me free themselves from chronic upset and chronic crisis mode. Right now, I'm offering Blended Life listeners a one-on-one free breakthrough session with me. This call will give you clarity to see if coaching is right for you. Take advantage of this opportunity now by emailing me at becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I can't wait to connect with you. Hey everyone, I'm Eric. This is my wife, Julie. We are the Blended Life. That we are, and today, tonight, we are talking about how to overcome power struggles and control issues in your family and in your marriage and in your co-parenting life. It's a good one. Welcome back to another episode. Yeah, power struggles, Mm -hmm. overcoming them, overcoming the control factor in our blended families. It's a hard, it's a hard one, but it's so normal that people experience power struggles. Yeah, I bet, uh, bet every blended family experiences this at least Mm -hmm. some point in time throughout their entire relationship. Yeah, you're either having a power struggle in your marriage, you're having a power struggle with you and your kids or you and your stepkids or you're having a power struggle in your co-parenting relationship. I feel like all relationships in a blended family are um, like products, uh, not products, but they're they're open to having power struggles. Well, there's a lot of nature. Yeah, there's a lot of different dynamics happening, you know, that um, have to be navigated and have to be worked out and everyone kind of put in their place, you know, and I'm not saying that from like a, an authority (laughs) (laughs) point of view, but, but knowing, you know, we did, we did one a long time ago on this, you know, basically knowing your role, knowing your role. Yeah. Staying in your lane. Yeah. And And being okay with that. That's okay. Yeah. And it's not that it's, like I said, from an authority point of view, it's just knowing where you stand in your blended family on and not as a whole necessarily, but per topic, you know, where do I stand on bedtime, on homework, on discipline, on food arrangement? Uh, you know, there's there the list goes on and food on and on. Food arrangement? On. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Who arranges the food on the plate? <laughs> yes. The, but the, what you, as you're talking about this, you know, I think about tap dancing. I'm like, this is what we all do, do in our blended families. Do you know anything about tap dancing? I know a lot about tap dancing. I but I think it is. It's, it's, I want to normalize for a second power struggles. I think that when I work with clients, 
you know, sometimes they feel like they're the only ones, you know, dealing with a power struggle. And so they feel like they're a failure. If you're dealing with a power struggle, you feel like a failure. And I hate the word failure. It's something that I don't, I don't believe in failure. Is that weird? No, I think a fail. I think being a failure or calling ourselves a failure is a limitation that we put on ourselves. And anyone is a winner or successful. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Ever, I no, I, I mean truly. I think there's a lot of limitations that we put on ourselves mm-hmm. that we can work through. You know, when you're like, "Man, I'm j- I'm such a failure." It's like, you know, in your line of work. Mm-hmm. You talk people past this. You talk people through this mm. and show them that there is such a better way. Yeah. You know, and that. Well, it, you know, reframing failure. You know, if you feel like you're failing, what if you saw it as an opportunity? You know, an opportunity to learn, to grow, to um, see what you're made of. Um, and so I think that, you know, failure is just an opportunity. And you can succumb to the belief that you're failing and then that will be your experience is you're going to fail. Or you can be confronted with the idea of like, gosh, I'm failing and start to pivot and be like, well, actually, I'm using this moment, this circumstance, this feeling, this situation, this disappointment to my benefit. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to grow, to learn to um, move beyond this and know I can get on the other side and see what I'm really made of and and see what our family is made of as well. I think we give up on our families way too early. We don't push past um, the struggle to see the other side. But the truth is, if you don't get past the struggle, you'll never see the other side and well, you will never get that that true trust, that true well, the um, growth, I think we all, we all grow in that time of struggle. We all grow in the time of feeling down and, you know, growing, uh, growing up or growing through something, yeah. you know, getting through that fire yeah. um, is where all that growth happens. I, I, you know, I think the glue is made in the struggle. 100%. So, you know, you, you um, want a strong marriage or a strong family. Well, you're going to have to weather the storm. If you're not willing to weather the storm, you're never going to have the glue that is necessary to keep your family together, to well, keep your it, marriage together. That's it. And listen, you guys, if you are ready to throw in the towel, you're ready to give up, you're struggling right now, if you can't make it through this, if you can't, I mean, and, and Mind you, there's some things that people just can't get through. Yeah. You know, there's... Uh, Even that, though, you can you learn about yourself. That's it. Yeah. But listen, if you guys can get through this right now, whatever you're going through, whatever's hard, it's going to grow you in ways that you can't even imagine. You know, look at your, look at your past struggles. Look at your past relationship. Uh, most people that are listening to this are in a blended family. And they have been married before. They've had a different partner before. Um, look at how much you grew from that situation. And look at the situation that you're in right now. And it might not even be with your spouse. It might be with your stepchild. It might be with your co-parent. Um, if you can step back and learn a lesson from this and see this from a different point of view. And now, this is what you do for a living, right? It is. 
Thank tell you. us, tell you're us a little. Like, you're, you're so wonderful. Always setting me up. For I, like, I mean, but uh, but that's really like, yeah. If I didn't believe in what you did and what you do for a living, I wouldn't have encouraged you so much through it. Yeah. You know, it's really our podcast is about growth and learning and bettering lives mm. and rejecting that 70% failure rate of second yeah. marriages mm. and so on and so forth. And so what you do really helps that mission and helps people yeah. grow and stay together. Yep. And in in the big picture, it's creating a healthier world, so to say. So <laughs> if you guys oh, okay. have ever laughed and gone, you know, when someone goes, oh, what do you want for your birthday? And you go, world peace, you know, just being silly. Like that's really <laughs> that's that's really what you're working towards. Okay, <laughs> no pressure, just world peace. Julie is out for world peace, everyone. Um, that would be lovely. <laughs> I, you know, I think we have to start w- when we when we talk about world peace. I'm just, you know, you you start with yourself. Yeah. You know, everybody wants world. Do peace and it's it's all like we're gonna throw stuff externally we're gonna focus externally we're gonna we're gonna come at this externally and really peace in your family starts with you um and so that is the work I do I I work at helping people find peace in the chaos in their blended family because they're the you know that we can't control everyone else you know you might be married to someone who's hell-bent on a power struggle you might be married to someone who's really got a lot of trauma that they haven't gotten help with, and so they're triggered, and their triggers are having them react in a certain way. You can't control that. How about all the little brat holes we live with? <laughs> you can't. Can you control them? Um, I mean, you can <laughs> kind of, right? Kind of. I mean, yes, you but can, no. You can implement structure, boundaries, discipline. Like, you as parents have to create a structure for these kids to live in. But that's exactly what this is about, what this what so, this episode is about. It's, right? <laughs> I mean, really, like, we have so much more power than we think we do, oh my you God. guys. I've never been more turned on right now. <laughs> Ever. I have the power. <laughs> you like, you're speaking I, my language. I'm going to go get an episode of uh, He-Man <laughs> after this and... Uh, <laughs> So let's go back to power struggles, though. Um, I think the first way to overcome a power struggle is to identify the source. So, you know, you might find yourself in a power struggle with someone else in your family, whether that's a step parent, um, you know, your spouse, the your child, your stepchild, the co-parent in your life. And if you can source where the power struggle is coming from, it'll help you navigate it. And so I kind of jotted down some things that I have experienced or learned source power struggles. And Let's the hear them, jotter. <laughs> this, the first one is, you know, obviously a power struggle is a need to control. And oftentimes a need to control comes from a place of anxiety. I was going to say insecurity. Okay. But I'm sure there's like 20 other adjectives yeah well I think if you're trying to think about okay is there a need to control here where is that need to control coming from is it because you're anxious is it because you're insecure you know is it because you are really hurt or you're scared something else yeah fear is a big feeder of a power control a big sourcer 
Mm. Sorcerer? Is that a word? It sources driver. power control. Yeah. So look at us with all these big words today. I use the word driver today. Driver. Um, you know, a need to fix. Sometimes uh, someone having a need for control is simply that they're trying to fix something. And we all know fixers. I'm sure you're married to one. I am if a you're fixer. To this, you have to fix it. Yeah. Everything's like you're. And it's, it's interesting because when you're a fixer, here's the deal you're holding the other person incapable. And I know and that, that's not the intent. No, that's never the intent. But that is the Well, truth. here's the neat thing that I've learned about being a fixer and identifying being a fixer. Dude, there's a neat thing? Yeah. Just kidding. No, it really, because there's a lot of times where I'm trying to fix things. Yeah. And I've learned this a lot through parenting um, and parenting my son and wanting to fix and want everything to be right. And I go, and, and I've learned that if I fix everything for him, he will never be capable. And I learned this early on in parenthood and what that did is say is it basically set me up to be like you know what being a fixer allows me to be a teacher and being a fixer that has wisdom allows me to guide better but doesn't mean I personally need to fix everything it allows me to realize and identify something that needs to be fixed or needs to be corrected and it allows me to help guide on a path of things so right you can teach someone how to fix something for themselves. For themselves. But so not. you're like Jesus. <laughs> you yes, know, like I will be Jesus walking on water to later fish. tonight, you guys, if uh, anyone would like to watch. <laughs> Wait, you know, but it's like, you know, teach a, teach someone to fish, <sighs> yeah. right? It's, yeah. They'll eat forever. Yeah. And that's so I the, think that's it. That's it. You know, it's really, it's identifying these strengths that you have, you guys, and using them to help others around us just because I am a fixer doesn't mean I need to fix everyone's problems and I think that's a big thing that a lot of us fixers identify with you know or other people identify us with they're like oh you're a fixer you need to have control over everything you need to be a control freak you know is what it boils down to and it's like well yes but if you identify it differently than that and you can help others around you but not necessarily do it for them or be um in charge of them or capable or, 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 or the mm-hmm. one that is facilitating all of it. You know, if you can just be there for people, right. it goes so much further. And totally. You know, yeah. And I think fixers have a really beautiful um, role and a really beautiful gift and skill where fixers get into trouble is where somebody's not wanting to be fixed. And overstepping boundaries. Or you're, you're seeing a problem and the other person's like, I'm fine. Yeah. And so you come at them trying to fix something and they don't, they're like, what? No, what do you mean? Like, there's no problem here. Why, wh- right. wh- why does something have to be fixed? And I think that's where a lot of um, struggle comes into play because now the other person feels shamed or like taken aback and questioning themselves or, and or I think you, that causes struggle. Yeah. Yeah. So fixers so, are great, but you have to use your power for good. That's it. And 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 realize it up front and realize how to use it. You know, I mean, I guess if you want to call it a power, um, sure. use it, realize when to use it and how to use it and how to use it for good without hurting other people. Because at the end of the day, your intent is never to hurt someone when you're trying to fix something or fix, you know, anything. It, uh, it's always for a good cause. Yeah. And, you know, I think that here's a great way f- to help fixers because I think this, this is a really big 
how power struggles begin. Um, if you have something that you would love to share with your spouse or a co-parent or an adult specifically, and you're a fixer and you know they have no idea that you're coming to them with this and how you have no idea is because you were never asked, right? Fixers love to give input without ever being asked for it. Fixers love to take on problems and fix them when, when nobody else is even aware there's a problem. So here's the deal. If fixers really want to come at somebody with helpful information, it's totally appropriate to ask first, hey, I totally have an idea that might help you. You want to hear it? You know, like instead of just inserting yourself and, you know, laying the the solution to a problem that the other person may not even know is there out you know you're going to be well well received if you can just hey like uh, let me ask permission to fix a problem or you know I think it's totally appropriate to just um wait you know just because you have a solution doesn't mean it has to be said I think that timing's everything and I think that if you know, one thing you can do to save yourself a lot of heartache is listen for the question. Like, if someone's not asking your opinion, if someone's not asking for help from you, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, definitely. But I think coming at it in a way that is gent- like gentle, yeah. is that, I don't even know if I mean gentle, but in a way that's like um, asking if it's okay. Yeah, asking permission. So, Yes. Nothing wrong with that. You want to hear a story of a time that being a fixer almost got me killed? Yes. <laughs> True story. Back in 2009, I was up in Seattle, Washington, shooting for a big um, group of street bike riders that were professionals and would travel around the world doing street bike stunt shows. And we had just got back from a big show that we had done up in Canada. It was up, up a ways and uh, we're coming back and it was one of the guy's birthdays and we went downtown Seattle and went to a club and one of my friends at the time owned a a short bus, a little party bus, you know, and um, we all rode there in this, you know, party bus and went to this club and hung out and mind you, I was up there working and filming um, so I had gear with me, and if you guys know anything about me, I'm to this day almost 41 years old, never drank alcohol, never tasted alcohol, never done any type of drugs or smoked any. Like, I've, I've done nothing of that sort. So Straight edge. Um, I mean, I guess, but sure. Um, so we were up there, and one of the guys met us there and drove his truck, and... Um, while we were there, ended up drinking. And so we were getting ready to leave. And at this point, obviously, I had not been drinking. And I said, hey, uh, let me drive your truck home. He's like, nah, it's no big deal. I haven't had that much to drink. I said, I said, no, like, we are all going to the same location. We're all going back to the same place. Um, I haven't been drinking. Just let me drive your truck. He's like, all right, cool. Like, let's do it. So we're driving home. And on the, 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 the bus, I, I grabbed all my gear off the bus. I grabbed my camera and everything, or maybe I had my camera with me already. Um, but I had some other stuff on the bus, like in this back left corner where I was sitting, you know, just so I could get the shots on the way there. 
And I grabbed what left gear I had and put it in his truck, and we drove back. And as we're driving back, we see this dark bus on the side of the road with a truck smashed in through the back end of it. And it's just dark and, like, just a weird scene. And we drive past it, and I go, what the, like, what? Like, was that our bus? So we get off at the next exit, do a loop around, get back on the freeway and drive up. And as we're pulling up, fire trucks, police officers, ambulance, the whole nine is pulling up. And we pull up on the scene, and there is a red F-150 smashed through the back right corner of this bus. Now, I don't know if I've ever told you this story or like in detail, but as we pull up, come to find out the bus had been having problems. The exhaust wasn't like secured up super well and was hanging down and dragging, like creating sparks. So they pulled over on the side of the road and a couple of the guys got out. One of the guys, Scotty, got out. Mind you, they had all been drinking, got under the bus, started working. You know, these are all professional motorcycle riders, stunt riders. They all know how to wrench on stuff. Got out, starts working under the bus to put this exhaust back up, and a drunk driver drove in and killed Scotty, like smashed him. You know, he's literally sitting behind the bus, and a truck hits him. Um, BJ or Hollywood, who I was filming for, um, was right next to it. He's like, it was the force of God that pushed him out of the way. Um, so he didn't get hit. His wife was on the bus, you know, and a bunch of other people. No one else on the bus got hurt. Um, but the, the crazy thing is, being a fixer, this is my point, being a fixer, had I been on that bus, I would have died, 100%. Had I not driven that truck home, I would have died, A, because I would have been sitting in the place that was no longer on the bus. That whole back left corner was gone, destroyed, gone. But had I been on that bus, being a fixer I am and knowing how to wrench on stuff, I would have been the first one off that bus. And I would have been sitting exactly where Scotty was or sitting right next to Scotty trying to put that exhaust back up. That's just who I am. That's what I would have done. Absolutely. Yes, you would. 100%, 100%, right? 100%, yeah. And to pull up on that scene and my buddy is just, I mean, uh, uh, the truck just, uh, it literally, he was between the truck and the bus, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was pretty horrific, but you know, it's, it's, it's God's plan. You guys, God has a plan for us and, you know, has, has his hand on us and over us and it was, it was crazy. So. Oh, that's a rough story. I can't imagine trauma of witnessing that scene afterwards how did you get pat like how did you deal with that um like how do you even deal with that it was a hard thing i mean you know we uh we obviously had like a memorial for him a ride for him and you know all the family and and the whole crew and the whole team came together and did like big shows and stuff but uh yeah it was it was a rough time it was it was very surreal and you know hard to get through so yeah. Anyways. Well, I just, I mean, as you share that and you're able to even just say that God was there forcing other people away and allowing, you know, something, you know, a life to be taken to know that God's in that and trusting him is a pretty. 
Yeah, it was um, a pretty big thing. Yeah, I wasn't. Because uh, a lot of people be mad at God for that. A lot yeah. of people would be like, how could you, you know, God, I, God, why? This is a good person. Why would you let this happen? Um, and you didn't go there. No, you know what? And no one, well, I shouldn't say no one else did. One other guy, I wouldn't say God, but one other guy kind of lost it there. And I remember on scene, one other guy, and mind you, I mean, these are big, tough, you know, uh, one of the guys, you know, rode for the Rough Riders crew. Like, I mean, there, there were some gnarly dudes that I was hanging out with. Um, but one of these guys, I literally, Hawaiian Dave, you know, him and I are still buddies to this day. I literally had to hold this dude back who's six foot two, six foot three. And if, I mean, if you guys watch us, you know, I'm, I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't as big or as strong as I was back then. Um, but I'm not a tall guy, you know, I'm six, eight, six, nine on my best, or sorry, six, eight, I'm five, eight or five, nine on my best day. You know, I, I shrink, I, I shrink between four inches or so a long life of hockey. Um, so my back is my back. It depends on the day, right? I mean, I literally variate between four inches. Mm -hmm. Um, but being able to hold Hawaiian Dave back and, He's like, I'm going to kill this dude. I'm literally going to kill this guy. You know, it, Scotty. Driver. Yep. Scotty was literally his best friend, his very best friend. Mm. And then we get back to, uh, we get back to um, the house after all of this. And I mean, mind you, this is so surreal. All this just happened. And come to find out, like, Hawaiian Dave, what he did for a living, he was, uh, he was a repo guy. And he would he would pull up and repo vehicles, you know. That's what he'd do. And he had concealed carry. He always did. And come to find out, like, he had a gun on him that night. And was like, I was literally going to kill that guy. I will 100%. Like, I stopped him from killing this guy. And he would have been in jail also. And then I think the hardest part about the whole thing was um, the guy only got, like, three years crazy right it was a second dui and he ended up having like only three years he pled down and like invo involuntary manslaughter and uh i don't know some other just really weird things but anyways a little off topic but that is where i think that's where i really realized like being a fixer i'm like man you don't always have to fix everything you know I think that was, and that's kind of why I told the story is like, that was the time where I'm like sunk in, you know? So anyways, yeah. I mean, how's your morning going? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that story like that. Yeah. Thank you it's for sharing. Of course. I'm glad we have this on record. Like that's a powerful, powerful story. It's a, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's part of my testimony, I guess. You have a lot of stories like that. I though. do. It's just yeah. That's How many people have you seen die or been known? Too many, like way too many. Especially, I mean, especially in the this is like the really motorcycle heavy, or or, or um, motorsport community. You know, um, you know, just it, it last interview with Kurt Caselli. You know, as he, I mean, number one racer in the desert as he took off and uh, was believed to have. You know, just hit an animal at the Baja 1000 back in 2013, you know. Um, 
I don't know, just just hard things, like really weird things. And it's like understanding where God is in all of this, you know. Where God is has he in all of that? Like well, what I is your answer to that? It, it, it's understanding that he has a plan for all of us, that all of us learn from this, that we are right where he wants us to be. And there are lessons in all of this. I mean, something like that, you know, you're like, how? How is there a lesson in that, you know? Right. Um, the the way it brings a community together, the way that um, rivalries soften, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about that, you know? And it takes, it takes something. It takes a, it takes a tragedy or, you know, for instance, like take it back years and years, you know, look at 9-11. Has our, has our country ever been so united as to something like that? Look at what's going on or what just happened in Florida, you know, this last week with the hurricanes, you know, it's like everyone puts away and puts aside their differences and comes together. You know, you see um, the governor and um, the president of the United States come together, put a, put aside their differences, and, you know, they're able to be standing side by side who have both said, you know, hurtful or not nice things, <laughs> however you want to call it, about one another, mm-hmm. you know, in the past months, you know. But for everyone to come together and help one another, and I think that's the type of lessons that come out of things like this, you know? Yeah. And then just little things. I mean, individual <clears throat> individual lives that it touches. I mean, look what it did in my life and so many others, you know? So. Well, how, I mean, it's it's something that I actually talk about with clients often. Um, because when I, when I sign a client to one of my programs, m- I mean, nine times out of ten – they're at rock bottom. They're ready to give up. They're ready to leave. They're done. They're lost. They have no idea. It's like I'm the final straw. Right. Which I'm happy to be. And a lot I, of times, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm the one that reads the reviews quite often before you do, and a lot of times, thank God you're that final straw. No, I, happy to be, but I guess yeah. what I'm, I, as I'm reflecting at, on what you're saying about it takes tragedy, Right. And then I'm thinking about our blended families and, you know, these power struggles and all the petty bullshit we deal with a daily. I mean, even in our family, all the pettiness, um, things that don't really matter at the end of the day. You know, when I go to heaven, is any of this really going to matter? When we have to stand before God and answer for, us, for, answer for everything, am I going to be like, yeah, I was super petty and I really just held grudges and I let bitterness grow. You know, like I'm going to have to answer for all this stuff. And I'm just like, it's such a shame to me, and this is the conversation I have with clients, it's such a shame that it's the human condition that tragedy has to strike before we are willing to lay down our weapons or <laughs> and find a, common ground. Or make a change in our or lives. Or change, right, we're, 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 we're willing to lay down our power struggles, right? We're willing to lay down... A need for control. Well, how many people don't pettiness. stop drinking alcohol until something terrible has happened? Right. Or they've had a DUI totally. or or same thing with um with, addiction. With addiction and drug use, you know. Yeah. It's like once I've hit rock bottom and I'm it's willing. happened so many times, I'm willing right. and 
Um, and, and I understand some of this is illness, some of this is disease, but it, you know, going back to what you just said about human nature and we're conditioned to this, you know, it's like, man, yeah, like, or, you know, my favorite is when I talk to somebody, it's not my favorite, but I just, I, you know, it's sad. Like you, it takes losing a marriage, right? Yeah. How many people and everyone raise your hands out there, right? You were married, you got divorced and now your spouse is the perfect husband or wife in their new marriage where you're like, gosh, if you were that person, when we were married, we would never have gotten divorced. We would never have, you know, split our families up. And it's so interesting to me that it takes even divorce and breaking up a family before people are willing to grow themselves. And it's just, it's such a shame. And so I'm wondering too, as we're, we're bringing up this topic of power struggles and control and overcoming those, how, how might we, you've been through a lot, so I'm throwing this over to you and I didn't know I was going to ask this question, but I, I'm thinking about it. Like, how do we see the little struggles and allow the little struggles to let us lay down our weapons, let us, you know, let go of fear and let us let go of insecurity. Like, how can we, instead of waiting for the big thing that's going to break up our family or our marriage or damage us in such a tragic way like how can we stop it before it starts do you know what i'm trying to say like yeah, noticing I, the little struggles what yeah do you think? i think a lot of us need to spend more time slowing down oh that's a good one more time in prayer um we often live our lives so fast and so caught up and so instantaneously and by instantaneously i mean Swipe by swipe by like by like, you know, social media, commercial to commercial, song to song. Don't like this song, skip it, go to the next one. Don't like this show, go to the next one. I won't even watch live TV anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, but <laughs> th- totally but this do. is because this Instant is what gratification. This Instant is reaction. what we're becoming conditioned to be, mm, and who so we true. are becoming, and what, um, you know, if you guys, I don't know if I should shout this out, but I want to. Um, cause I feel like it wasn't very political. It was just very eye opening. but we just watched. Oh, it was so good. I don't even care. Shout it out. Well, we just watched a, it was a two part episode, um, with Kanye West and Tucker Carlson on Tucker Carlson tonight. So if you guys want to look it up, um, you know, and you guys might not like what he stands for or what Tucker Carlson stands for. And, and that's all right. That's your own opinion. However, this interview wasn't very political, which I had to explain to a couple people I sent it to. Um, It was just a very, very interesting listen. And it's something that, um, again, even if you guys are not on the same page as Kanye, (laughs) and some people aren't, I understand he's a different kind of dude. However, he peels back the curtain to so many revealing things and I think the biggest tell is um marketing and social media and the way that it's pulling children and our society in a direction and pulling the power out of a lot of people and they're taking over the power and putting it in the hands of other people and I can't explain it I can't explain it like yeah he can you'll just have to listen because he's it's on the really inside good. of it and and is affected positively and negatively by the whole thing 
and it is just such a interesting listen. So if you guys can find it. It's a two-part interview, so you're going to find two videos. There's there's two different – it's a two-parter. Yeah, so you know, if about you, an hour long. I would watch both. I think they're both worth It's worth it, listen. though, you guys. I mean, again – It's thought-provoking, you it, know. And I think that's it. You yeah, know? It's, it's not. It's not extremely political. You know, obviously, yeah. he stands for one side. However, it doesn't matter. It's not – you're not going to listen to it and be like, oh, I hate this guy and what he's preaching. He's not preaching. The only thing he's preaching is God. Like, God is on his side. And I think it was, it was a very God-centered interview, yeah. Which which was neat, you know, from a Christian standpoint. And but well, you even see how that s- affects him. Well, and I have to say, just because it bugged me uh-huh. that um, post interview Tucker Carlson had on some. Do you know who? Remember who it was? I don't. You know what um, their name? Yeah, I forget what his name is. Yeah, and he I had think- to comment to be like to do some commentary about the about Connie West's interview. And the first thing he says is, well, you can tell he's wrestling with his religion or he's wrestling with God. And I'm like, he's not wrestling with God. He's pretty fucking clear. <laughs> like, he is. knows exactly. God and the F word in the same sentence. That's Good right. job, love. <laughs> God's clapping right now in heaven. <laughs> because he's like, no, I'm like, this man is not a man wrestling in his faith. No, I think. At all. No, it's I think just, what he was trying to clarify there. Oh, do not. I, and, and I'm not standing mm-mm. up for him, but I think what he was trying to say is that he's wrestling with having faith in this, in the community of what he deals with, because he is in the fashion industry. He is in the music industry, the entertainment he's industry. A he is an absolute creative in a creative industry, which is hard to be a Christian man with your own. Values a Christian conservative man. That yeah, which and is and be a creative. Yeah, you are. Yeah, but I'm also. I would I, love to see your clothing line. <laughs> you don't want to see. I my do. Clothing I want to see your clothing line. Anyways, <laughs> you could no. be just like Kanye. No, I could. I could not. I mean, I don't have. Uh, it, you don't take, have billions of dollars, honey. No, neither did he at one point, though. But I think oh, what true. I think what Kanye has that I don't have is he's not. A f- <laughs> Do tell us all. <laughs> I don't have and, and where he got. I don't think that if he had his point of view, his values, and where he stands right now when he started, he wouldn't have made it. Um, not necessarily wouldn't have made it, but I don't think he would have had the same path and the same uh, – definitely would not have had the same path that he does. Yeah. And the difference is my path – Not, I'm not saying my path's any any better or any worse, but the path that I have chosen and I have taken at each stage in life um, hasn't allowed me to further my career in certain aspects in certain ways. For instance, right now, I could be traveling the world, doing extreme motorsports, filming, editing, doing what truly was my passion in film, in photography, in arts, is that motorsport, that high-octane, you know, smell of (laughs) leaded race fuel, burning tires, you know, desert, silt, that's my passion, I love it. I love dirt bikes. I love trucks. I love, you know, off-road trophy trucks. I love drifting. I love F1. I love all that type of stuff. However, it would not 
serve me or at least the path that I was on wouldn't would not serve me well to serve God to serve my family to live a good honest life and not that I was living a bad life like you know I've never cheated on my wife I've never had alcohol I've never done drugs I you know I've never been I have been to Mexico how many times and I've never been into a strip club I've been to Vegas how many times I've never been into a strip club in my life you guys doesn't make me a lot of people look at me and they go man are you Mormon no <laughs> not a, not at all and, and and that's kind of funny that people even assume you know like or or um align those two i'm like i know mormons who've done this type of stuff um it's funny but i've been asked that like i mean more times than i have toes and fingers i just think that's because it's an extreme religion <sighs> in people's view maybe. maybe i don't know maybe but my path could have been so much different had I not, but, uh, but again, just to kind of round it all back to where it, like God has us exactly where he wants us. Yeah. You know, well, I'm on the path that God has planned for me. Like we are doing this podcast, which you would agree. And I've heard you say it, which is completely a God ordained thing. Yeah. hundred percent. We are right here right now. Your business is what it is. This podcast is what it is. Because it was a God ordained thing. So whether you guys are believers or not, like it has really God has really driven Julie and myself and our family in a direction to be where we are right now. And um, and he's not done. He's not done. He's not done. As long as you're living and breathing, he's not done yeah. with you. So um, okay, let's let's finish up the power struggle and the sourcing of it. The sourcing in our family. Um, and not in our family, well, in our family and in everyone else's families too. I think that um, there's definitely a, when somebody feels unsafe, and then I think this is where power struggles happen in co-parenting a lot. And even with the kids, when you feel unsafe in the relationship, there's going to be a power struggle. Well, look what happens when a dog feels unsafe. What do they do? Why are you why are you like starting to laugh? If a dog's unsafe and you put a dog their into a stuff you, goes up on the back of their neck. You put a dog into a called. corner and it feels unsafe. It's going to lash out. It's going yeah. to it's going to bark. It's going to bite. Yeah, you know, and that's in humans aren't much different in that aspect. I mean, maybe you know, not so not so wildly, but we start to yell. Well, not okay. I will speak for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any of our co parents are safe. And right. I would, they probably would say that back. Okay. Like, to be fair, I'm not just saying it's them. I just think it's a symbiotic. We, none of us feel safe with each other. No, but that's, and I mean. here's and why, is because the amount of stuff that has been, you know, said, lied about, gossiped, whatever, or has been used against, you know, um, I think it makes it very unsafe. To be able to tell our children anything sometimes because children go and say something and it gets turned into something else. Or, um, you know, I if if I'm if I'm kind or if somebody's kind to me and we don't respond in the way that is good to kindness, then that feels very unsafe. So even all of branches that get extended between co-parents or, you know, s- adults in this weird 
blended family scenario, like if it's not, if all of branches aren't accepted, then that feels very unsafe. I just think there's a lot of unsafe in our in our well, and I don't think you're al- I don't think you're alone with that. I think everyone listening, you know, not everyone, but I think a good majority of people listening right there yeah. right now can yeah. relate to yeah. what you're saying, you know. And maybe it's not even with their ex, maybe it's with their spouse's ex's. ex yeah. or um, or the, your ex's new spouse. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it, there's, like there's so many again, people. There's so many dynamics. There's I mean, it could so even be the grandparents. People. The grandparents on the other side. <laughs> it's too you much. know, like, <laughs> it's too much. I don't know. You know, but you I, you ran into your kids' grand ex grandparent. Well, your ex grandparent. Yeah, your ex husband's mother. You my ran into my kids' father's mother. Yeah, <laughs> baby daddy's mommy. Uncle's aunt's sister's mother's my baby, mom. My baby daddy's mommy. Yeah. Yeah. And that was sweet. It you was hadn't awesome. seen her in, what, 10 years? years? Uh, I, I, sure. Okay. It's, I don't even remember a the long, last time oh, I saw yeah, her. Yeah, a long, And long she time. was nothing but lovely, and that yeah. felt really nice. And I was, I was, was cool. really nervous, though. I'm like, ooh, is she going to, like, <laughs> uh, what's good? What but has was, been said? <laughs> but, you know, she's, she, but you know what? She's also a woman who loves Jesus. Yeah. And she behaves like a woman who loves Jesus. And so I'm sure well, she's Well, you can heard. see, and that shined through, you know? Yep. She, she looked, or, I've never met the woman. And she gave me a nice wave and like, hi. And she asked you know? about you. Yeah. When I went over and said, hi, she's like, oh, I forget your husband's name. Yeah, that's nice. I'm like, Eric, she's like, oh, how's he doing? Yeah, yeah. she's. She's a she, but you can tell, you know, and that is that is what I aspire to be. That's nice. That's I'm nice not to hear. there yet, people, but I'm aspiring. <laughs> I'm aspiring all over the place. You're an aspire. You're I'm an aspiring, pray, pray aspiring role model. That's you know. I think that's eventually. You're gonna be a model when you grow up. <laughs> I eventually would love to just radiate. I was having this thought. You do though. Here's the thing though. No, and that's, I, I was don't having say a no thought. because that is one of the things that attracted me to you. <laughs> from uh, from a long time ago, <laughs> a long, long, long time ago. Uh, no, but truly though, you are different. You carry yourself different. I think our listeners probably can agree oh. um, that you do radiate that. I know a hundred percent, like without a doubt, all yeah. of your clients well, would agree with that. Yes, I think that what I would love to tap into, and you know, I totally don't mind talking about the. Uh, can I talk about hockey the other night? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you know, we were at hockey the other night. Your ex is there, my stepson's bio mom. And gosh, you know, part of me just wishes I could be like my ex-mother-in-law, right? Just joyous. Like, and and that's what I was thinking. I'm well, like, here's the thing. Going like, to joy, it. Joy is divine and no, but happy listen, is human. Before you go any further, uh-huh. how were you when you found out that his mom was going to go to the hockey game. I was going to pick him up and take him to the hockey so game. So happy. You were joyous. I was. I so was don't so tell happy me that, for him. Don't tell me that you wish that that was in your party because that is 100% I was in so you. Happy. It's just circumstances that. No, I was so, I am. You're right. I was so happy that his mom was going to be there and show up for him and come take him. And that was all like, it's it's so good for all the parents to be able to support the kids. Like I'm I'm all for that for the children. I think that where I need to, where I want to grow um, is that when I'm physically there and I, this is something my client, so if you're my client or have been a client, you know, I relate to you more than you may know. Um, But being physically in the presence of one of our exes, 
um, for me, because it's, you know, I, I get to this point where like, I'm not bothered, right? Like I used to in the very beginning, we're so off topic, but that's fine. In the very beginning, when we were newly together and we would be around our exes, my body physically reacted to it, right? Like heart pounding, face turning red, um, sweating maybe or shaking. And farting. Like I'd say a lot of farting. <laughs> I could not concentrate, you know, like I was so distracted and I had such a physical response um, to the exes. It didn't matter who, all of the exes. And so as I've gotten older and matured and done some work and practiced habit change, as I teach now others to do, you know, I don't physiologically react. So that's been huge growth for me where I can be around any of our and exes. And that's a power. So you're still on topic. <laughs> I can be around any of our exes and I'm just calm. Like I feel calm. And so I think the next level I want to get to is joy. Because that's who I want people to see that joy shining out of me regardless of who's around, but it's baby steps, right? I think this is also what I talk to my clients about. You want to change. Well, it doesn't go from zero to 180. There's a thousand steps along the way to move that needle to where you need it to go. And it's a process. You have decades of habits to shift. You have decades of practice to undo and relearn new ways. So um, for me, that's like my personal journey. You know, I would love to be able to be around our exes and just radiate joy. Um, Here's that what would my be awesome. So that's like where I'm going. But I felt I feel guilty about that. I feel guilt. Like I feel it not guilty. It just bugs me that, like, while I'm calm inside, like I also like I'm in this space where I'm not going to be fake. Like so, I where I get my back up against a wall is like if. If any of any of our exes, it doesn't even matter which ones, come up and they want to smile and wave, my first thought is, like, I know what you just said about me. Like, why you are mean, you smiling and, you and just, waving at you mean, me? You don't mean like just and like when we went through a divorce. You mean just and like text, a or text message, an email in the last <laughs> few weeks. Rumors and gossip that's being spread in our community. People, yeah. that, like, I mean. So where I'm, jabs. so I'm like, this. clearly you people don't like me, which is cool. Like, I don't care. I don't yeah. care if I'm liked. like, I expect here's, not here's to, the but power like, in don't smile and wave at me. Here's the power in that though. It just, it's just Here's stupid. the power in that. Is, okay, power. Is, in what? Is stop worrying about the other person's heart. Yeah. Stop worrying about their demons, their hatred, anything. And this is where I have found peace in this and where it's I like, know, you're good at this. I only worry about my heart at this point. When I am in situations like that, I no longer think mm -hmm. about what was said to me, what was texted to me, what was literally texted to me last week or uh -huh. the week before, <laughs> you know, or, or however, or how, or what was, what happened during the divorce or what was said afterwards or what continues to be said. I am no longer affected by that because that isn't the truth that isn't what happened that isn't my perspective that isn't my heart and if that's not my heart and that's not a what my intentions were b what really happened oh what was said you c, mean what was oh, a, yeah. or or say just... say it was or uh, something got said about me and say it was the truth 
Yeah. But I'm like, was that my heart though? Was the way that that was spun? Yeah. In the way that that portrayed, was that truly my heart while that went down, while that happened? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. No, my heart's ne- I've never had like evil or hatred on my yeah. heart during any of these situations. So when I go somewhere like this and I and I'm in a situation like this, I'm not thinking about the other person. I'm only worrying about what's on my heart, you know, or what's going on. Yeah. And that allows me, if someone smiles at me, you know, it's like, um, they do, you know, it's like, I treat, I, I just pretend like they're anyone else they, no. because they no longer matter to me. No, I get that. I just, I guess it's just, I don't value fake. I don't value. And it's, and so, okay. I so don't here. Va- like, I just, it's kind of one of those things. Like I get what you're saying, like, but I, listen, I would in that rather situation, you not acknowledge me because you don't like me. Cool. I again, respect that. You, but here's what you're doing though. You're going oh to gosh. what they're doing. You're going yes. to what, if they're being fake or if they're being honest or they're being loving, who gives a shit what they're doing? If you truly don't care about them, then you don't care about them. And that's, again, that's where I'm coming yeah. from. If mm. that were someone else, if that were, you know, one, uh, another random person at the grocery store mm-hmm. and they smile at me, you know, and said, hey, hi, or whatever, I'm going to do the same thing back. But I no longer, I don't, I don't have a relationship with them. I don't care about them. So if it's a random stranger at the grocery store and they say, hey, hi, how are you? I'm be like, hey, how are you? And I'm going to continue to go on. I'm not going to stop and be like, how's your day going? What do you got planned next? I you totally know, let's would do go. that to a person in the grocery store. I well, see. I totally this would. This is why would your be parents like, told you not to take candy from a stranger because <laughs> be like, gone. You have a white van? I go with you. Yeah. 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 Um, they, there's definitely videos, <laughs> TikTok videos about you. So, okay. How do we overcome? Okay. Let me make sure I got through everything. So power struggles, what causes them a need to fix, right? Or we're dealing with anxiety. So we need to have control of the situation. There's a... Um, sometimes we feel unsafe. And so in that relationship, we get into a power struggle just for safety to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. We get defensive. We, we have to push our point. Um, sometimes power struggles are really used to punish, you know, I've seen people that's really unhealthy. Um, fear, you said that Mm -hmm. fear drives power struggles. You're so afraid that you are going to have to have control. Yeah. You're so afraid. Um, a lack of trust or a lack of respect also. And I think this is also in the co-parenting world, that lack, that unsafe feeling, but you also have like a lack of respect, a lack of trust. There's a huge and lack of trust. And I think it ends up getting to a place where it becomes yeah, a lack of respect. And, 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 I, ha- and I struggled with that for a long time where I'm like, I don't respect you. I don't respect anything you've done to me or done to my family or done to our, you know, like there's, no respect. Blood. No, but here's the thing is like if you focus on that and that becomes your train of thought, it eventually starts to bring you down. And I know you treat you teach your clients to think on a different path than that. Yep. And um, that's something I just I realized. I'm like every time I'm invested in this, this is what I'm putting my time, my energy, my thoughts towards and this is what i'm bringing back this is what i'm bringing home this is what is coming to our dinner table Mm. this is what i'm taking to bed with me and this is garbage that's not what i want yeah so i don't i don't invest my time or my thoughts or my energy in that like that's really good you know and, and if more people if you guys can get on this not hating not caring not 
even investing your time in what your ex is doing or what they consume their lives with. You know, if you follow your ex on social media, like I dare you guys to just stop right now. I dare you to block them. I dare you to stop looking at them, stop listening to them, and it'll change your world. It'll change everything. True story. I did that literally 10 years ago and never looked back. I don't think I've ever like purposely gone and looked at what my ex does on any of their accounts and it's that's fine that's not a big deal because why do I need to know like it doesn't it's not affecting me it's not affecting you know anything around me yeah um therefore being a stalker just doesn't do anything for me oh my gosh all right (laughs) stalker I'm just going extreme Um, but I don't think it I, I think it'll change lives yeah So if you can source where the power struggle is coming from, especially on your end, you know, why are you engaging in it? Because you, if you're part of a power struggle, you're part of it. (laughs) You know, if you're engaging in a power struggle, you're part of the problem. So the, the quickest way to get out of a power struggle is just not participate with a child, a co-parent, a, even your spouse. Like, listen, is this hill worth dying on? Like some are. Some definitely are. Most aren't. So I think that the quickest way to stop a power struggle is just to not engage. But I think that, you know, it's not as easy as that because I think that if you have fear to deal with or you have trust issues or safety issues or um, insecurity issues or you're a fixer, like you have something that is causing you to be in this power struggle that you get you're you're getting something out of it. So if you truly want to change this for yourself, which is you can only change it for yourself. You can't change it for anyone else. But then you really need to source where is this power struggle stemming from? Why am I engaging in it? Why am I hell bent on being a part of this with this person? Um, And then once you address the issue, you can definitely work on it. I have a few ways to overcome a power struggle. Um, Well, obviously the first is defining the source, where is it coming from? Um, and then communication skills. This is one of the, I teach, I teach communication is part of like one of the very first things out the door in either program. Communication and this communication style can change everything. Yeah. If you can learn to communicate with anyone around you, I should take you through it. (laughs) (laughs) It's really cool. It'll, that'll, that too will change your life. (laughs) Um, there is a, the other thing, you know, number two, like letting go of what you can't control, you know, <laughs> you can't I control think, your number two. I think power struggles when you can lay down that, which you can't control. There is so much out of our control yet. We're hell bent on fixing it or controlling it when we just can't. And so then we become insane. And I know, you know what I'm talking about. You have felt insane trying to fix something that you cannot and that's a lot of our blended families. So it is a big part of overcoming power struggles is laying down what you can't control. Well, I think that's part of, too, what I was just saying. You know, if it's like if it's if it's stuff that you're spending your time and your energy on, mm-hmm. you know, your day to day life mm-hmm. on something that like. Mm-hmm. And I know you guys have all felt it like you mm-hmm. just said, like y- y- you're going to feel a certain way yeah. and it almost makes you feel insane because there's nothing you can do about it. No. If you can't control that, however. Yeah. You learn how to control yourself and not yeah. care about the other stuff. It's going to be life changing. Yeah. And the other person's left out there alone on the limb. Cool. You deal with that. 
Um, I think that a lot of power struggles, right, there's because there's differences. If we agreed, what would be the need for a struggle? Um, and I'm wondering if we can't just start appreciating. Well, first, you need to acknowledge that there's a difference of opinion, especially in co-parenting, right? There's a difference of opinion. And can I appreciate that? Even if I don't agree with you, um, there was a lot of times my ex-husband and I, my children's father, we don't agree. But I can appreciate that he is their dad and he has a right to instill in his children his point of view. And his, my, his point of view might be very different than mine, but I don't necessarily think it's all bad. It's just different. It, I'm not trying to, you know, judge his point of view, I just am acknowledging that it's different than mine. And that has calmed me down a whole lot. Um, And I think that if you can appreciate and acknowledge differences for what they are and being okay with differences, you know, no two humans are carbon copies of each other. Right. We are all different. We would problem solve and do come at uh, things differently. Why isn't that okay? Do you really think your way is the only way to do something? Do you think, I mean, it's just not true, but we get in so much of our heads, like we're so egotistical and we're so like judgmental that our way is the only way. And that is a limiting mindset. There is no possibility left if your way is the only way. So that's a really hopeless way to live actually. And you're going to be sorely disappointed because that's not real life. And so I'm wondering if we're dealing with power struggles, can we just name and say the differences and appreciate them? Um, gosh, this one is really, really my favorite. And, and, and this is more of like in your marriage or your blended family, not so much with your co-parent. But can you invest and connect with fun? If you're in a power struggle and you're able to just go have fun... Power struggles seem to melt away in a space of fun. So maybe you take a time out from your power struggle if you're in one with your spouse or a child and you just go have some fun and then re- and then see if it's even necessary to revisit later. Most times it's not. Most times the need that was trying to be met with the power struggle, you can also meet with fun, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes power struggles just want attention. Well, a lot of times, too, you know, when you're running into that situation, a lot of times it's just very momentarily and it's a very circumstantial. Yeah. And as time passes and the circumstances change and the moment has passed, mm-hmm. it just fades away. And it's like, wait, <laughs> we're not even there anymore. It doesn't. What were we fighting yeah. about? Yeah. Um, the tried and true boundaries, right? I think if you're in a power struggle with your co-parent, um, and other people that you struggle with that you have to be in a relationship with, even with your stepchildren or your own, like really anyone, everyone's difficult. Let's just be real. All relationships have their difficulties. So if you can set boundaries for yourself, you know what you will allow, what you won't allow, what is worth fighting for, what is not, and holding those boundaries, you teach others how to respect you by the boundaries you set. And so... Um, I think that's a really, really helpful tool once you know how to do boundaries. I do work with clients on boundaries. Um, and then obviously the coup de gras here is forgiveness. The cooter what? <laughs> Can't believe you just said that on our podcast. <laughs> you said it. I Dear just Lord. asked what it coup was. Coup de gras. Oh. Like Mardi Gras? <laughs> okay. 
But forgiveness is the ultimate, right? If you've truly forgiven the other person or yourself, I don't think there's really a need for power struggle. You know, but when you hold on to things and you're not willing to let go and forgive, I mean, the likelihood of revisiting a power struggle is pretty good until you can lay down what needs to be forgiven. And that usually is what, you know, the the trust issues and the unsafe issues and the insecurities, you know, there's a forgiveness that needs to happen there before you can let go. And so that's a whole nother journey. That's a really the most difficult journey ever, in my opinion, is forgiveness. Are you quick to forgive? What would you think? Yes. Yeah, I try I'm to. really not. I try it. There's a lot of hills that I just don't care to die on. And I think that a lot if, of bloodshed in my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that the the more you carry around, like, you know, the more it's going to affect you. And there's just a lot of things, um, especially in our family, you know, um, a lot of things you and I might argue or disagree about a lot of things. My son and I argue and disagree about, I mean, literally on a daily basis, but, um, I'm quick to forget and you know quick to forgive on a lot of stuff and uh i think i think my son's learning a lot of that too i think he's seeing a lot of that where it's like man i'm mad at my dad right now but like a few hours later you know he's like man it was it just wasn't worth being upset about and i think after we both kind of had our space and our time it's all right and i think you and i do that a lot too um you know and and i'm not talking about like knockout drag out fights or arguments it's just little things that it's like this is stupid that we're bickering over this i mean we, i try to say that you don't like it uh, yeah because it, <laughs> it, if because i call my, out it's my, stupid <laughs> you're like Rawr. yes i i rare at you you do anyways let's go you back to, let's go back to like cooter, cooter mardi gras <laughs> <laughs> um no that was basically those, those are basically like the six things that you can do to try to overcome power struggles and remember that it starts with you. You know, I think we are always only you can prevent <laughs> well, we're our always, struggles. We're always, you know, ref- like we? the tendency is not to take responsibility, right? It's always the other person's fault. Yeah, it always is. No, if it's always the other person's fault and you're truly a victim, that's a hopeless situation. Well, and that's and a situation you. you should probably get out of. But the good thing is, it's not. And if you want to change that, hit up Julie at mm. Becoming Heard Now. At gmail.com. Okay, but I have a couple more things to say. Holy crap, we're already... Well, and this is actually like five minutes past where it should be. So you just... It's a golden nugget. You All don't right. want the golden All nugget? All right, you guys, you ready for the golden nugget? Okay, well, I have I have three golden nuggets. Okay. So last week we were talking about things to discuss before you walk down the aisle. Yes, that so was a different podcast. <laughs> okay, but something that I should have said that podcast that... Podcast. Hey, the podcast, the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. That really should be said is that I think it's really important before you get married to write a why statement down for oh, yourself. Oh, I wrote a will <laughs> and a prenup. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't have a prenup. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we have nothing oh, to have to a prenup <laughs> about. I forgot to have her sign it. <laughs> yes, you can have my shoes. Oh, good. We have no anyway. Um. So here's the deal. In power struggles, you're going to wish you had written this down. So if you're not married, do it before you're married. And if you're married, do it now. Everyone tonight or today or whatever, before you go to bed, get out a piece of paper 
and write down why you got married. Why did you blend this family? What was the intent behind the commitment you made to each other and these kids? And it's a really, really useful tool because in the midst of a power struggle, you know, what you could do is look at your why. You know, remind yourself of the greater good. We blended this family for love, for unity, whatever it is. What are, you, what are the things that you wanted for your family and for yourselves in this marriage? Remind yourself because you're going to forget. And then maybe that power struggle won't seem so necessary because you're seeing this power struggle is actually furthering yourself from the goal you have for your marriage or for your family. So this is something I would hope that people do before they walk down the aisle. Um, And I think that in power struggles in marriage, especially you have to think of your marriage over your self-interest, which is a practice. We're naturally very egocentric people. So we're always looking out for our own self-interest and that's really our culture. Our culture is very highly um, focused on values, independence, um, and marriage is not about being independent. So if you can keep That's in- That's something that was talked on on that interview. With Kanye? Kanye West. He, he alluded on some of Did that. He? Yeah. I don't remember that, but oh, yeah, 100%. good for him. 100%. And yeah. Uh, yeah, just some of the interesting things. It. Talks about Lizzo- in his relationship and like, it's like some crazy things where you're like, damn. So, you know, I think that in the midst of a power struggle or before you enter into one, cause you know, before it's going to start, you know, to remind yourself, um, marriage interest over self-interest because the goal is to keep the marriage intact because if the marriage breaks apart, the family breaks apart. Um, and the truth is, and I wrote this down, so I'm just going to read it from my notes. The truth is some people enjoy conflict and drama. Like some people really get off on it. Some people really enjoy it. Um, And to some people, conflict and power struggle is all they know, right? Some people were raised in a home where all they witnessed was power struggles and conflict. I would say that was my upbringing. And And is that something that you want to keep going? Yeah, but I mean, just recognizing that in yourself from childhood or maybe in your spouse's childhood. Um, But, you know, the truth is power struggles will never stop if if you don't take responsibility for yourself first. And you have to when you're when you're picking someone, you need to make sure that they also have the same goals as you. So anyway, I'll stop it there. There's, I could go on for another hour, but I won't. Eric's like, stop <laughs> talking. <laughs> As they start fla- falling off like flies. <sighs> All right. Thanks, Is that guys. it? That, I mean, no. Becoming heard yes. now at gmail.com. You want more of this from Julie? You want to go through her course? She actually has an incredible few courses you could go through. Um, yeah. But reach out. Truly life-changing. So becoming heard now at gmail.com. Hit us up on all the socials, you guys. Follow us, like us, um, share this with people, um, connect with us, email us, message us. We <laughs> want to connect with you. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thanks, you guys, for being here. We're the Blended Life. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
Hey, it's Julie again. I hope this episode of Blended Life started a conversation that you will finish in your home. But I get it, right? Sometimes you need more. My offer still stands. If I can interest you in a free one-on-one breakthrough session with me to see if coaching is right for you, contact me now at becomingheardnow at gmail.com and let's get you unstuck. Becomingheardnow at gmail.com. I look forward to it.